Welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully. This is a podcast to elevate teacher voice. In this program, you will hear teachers sharing their journey into this profession and their ideas for education. This is about honest, vulnerable, inspiring storytelling. It's a time and a space for teachers to share their ideas for the future of education. Teachers are beautiful beings who give their heart and soul to their community. They're innovators. They're inspirational, not only to children, but to the people around them and they deserve to share their voice. So welcome to The Teacher's Story. Enjoy. Hi, welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully, and today we have Steve Galley with us. He is a veteran teacher of 32 years, a teacher and coach. He transitioned out of the classroom last summer of June 2022, and now he's a transformational coach. He has his company called Transform Now Coaching, and he's also a founding member of First Generation Entrepreneur. So I'm so excited to have Steve on our show today. Welcome. Thanks, Jackie. So my first question for you is, what was your um, inspirational moment that pulled you into teaching or education in general? Ooh, well, it was, there, there were a few. One was I watched my father endure a, an unfulfilling career as, a, as an attorney. And he was good at what he did but it wasn't meaningful to him and fulfilling. And so I just knew that I was going to do something that I really loved. And he encouraged me to do that. And then it just became an easy decision. I knew by age 14 that I was going to be a teacher and a coach. And that was pretty much because of several, besides my father, several other coaches and teachers that really influenced me mainly my high school basketball coach he was number one on the list yeah I found that in some of these conversations that I was not an athlete um but a lot of teachers I talked to were inspired by coaches I feel like the coach position is such a like intimate role and you really get to know like a student um and it's not just purely again like academics getting grades but like you're coaching them in a sport, but you're really getting to know them as an individual and like that motivation that they provide for you, I think can be really inspirational. So that's definitely been a common theme. When you uh, first got into teaching, um, would you like to share any fun stories or moments that were like aha moments or challenges in your early years of teaching? Well, in my early years of teaching, I felt like I was just trying to stay one or two days ahead of the the kids and um i mean there's so many stories i shared uh i shared a couple with you off camera i i can't remember all of them but i there is one i think funny story where i was in a driver's ed car mm-hmm. and we I mean, when you spend years in a driver's ed car, you really get to know kids. In fact, sometimes you get to know things that you wish you didn't get to know. <laughs> they will they will often open up when they're around two or three kids in a in a car. But uh, we were just trying to pass some time, uh, and we were we were being safe, and I was teaching. But we would play a little music game, and I had. Uh, I would have contests with the kids and whoever won would receive a drink on the way home. We'd, we'd stop and get a drink and uh, non-alcoholic of course. And <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and so the game was really simple. We'd, we would have the radio on very low and this is way before, this is way before you would see the, the song, the title, you know, and all of those things on your screen. And you would get a point for the song title. If you named it correctly, you could get extra points for naming the album, the year, the band, etc. And Bohemian Rhapsody came on. <laughs> Love it. And <laughs> I just, I quickly named the, the song, the band, and you could challenge. Well, a young man in the backseat challenged and he said, coach, 
no, that's, that's not right. And I said, are you going to challenge this? And he said, yes. And I was trying to encourage him not to challenge it. And he said, no, I just, I, I saw this on my Genry and this is, this is a, this is a song um, called Wayne's World. And <laughs> I, I love it. So there were multiple things there. And this wow. is when I, this is when iTunes and iPods were just starting. And so he was referring to the Genry instead of the genre. And it was popping up as Wayne's World because it was on the Wayne's World soundtrack from the, the movie. And he was adamant about his, his challenge. And so anyway, he did lose the challenge. He found out the next day when he had to do some research. Of course, now we can just hop on our phones and, and figure it now, or you could, you could see it on the, on the stereo screen, but um, lots of stories like that. Lots of fun with kids. And I did get him straightened out. And he does, he does know, he now, he learned about the band called Queen, so. Amazing uh, band too. That's a great band to show to a student. Um, I give it up to you for teaching driver's ed. I could not imagine being in a car with teenagers. That would be terrifying for me. I mean, you don't have to share anything um, traumatic, but like, were there moments with students in the car where you're like, um, this is not going well? Who? <laughs> well, it is it is quite is interesting that we're actually pretty safe. I always tell the kids I worry about them more when they're with their parents or especially when they're with their friends. But when they're with us, I mean, we're in a marked car. You're with a teacher who is done this for hours and hours days weeks i did it for 27 years i didn't plan on i didn't plan on doing it i did it to make extra money so that i could stay in teaching and coaching that's (laughs) i mean that's really that's really why i did it and where where i live a lot of coaches do it because it's a flexible way to make some extra money and it's just it's coaching yeah like I was a basketball coach for 30 years and this is driving. It was just another medium of, of coaching, but we were actually pretty safe. And if you, like, if you were in the car, Jackie, and I, I would know within two or three minutes, whether I should really challenge you or maybe we should just go to a parking lot and work on some basics. Yes, that's, that's me right there. Yeah. But, you know, you, it was pretty easy to find out. I was more worried about the other people when we were in the driver's ed car, because Mm. um, new drivers don't react as quickly. And, and with the lack of experience, they aren't able to handle some surprising situations. So Mm. yeah, I had to be on point, mainly worried about uh, the other people around us. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, just thinking of my own driving experience, we didn't have driver's ed. Like we didn't have to take driver's ed. It wasn't part of like the school program like it is now when I was a driver, um, at least in Pennsylvania where I grew up. So my dad taught me how to drive and it took me four times to pass my driver's test. <laughs> so you would not have wanted me in the car at all. It was mostly parallel parking, but I was a very nervous driver early on. So, but that's great to know that, um, you, you know, lots of safety, obviously the car is marked, you have lots of experience, like you're doing this very systematically. And a point you made is that I took this position um, to make extra money because I was a teacher and coach. And this helped me actually like make the money I need to like have a lifestyle that I want to have and survive. So that is the teaching reality is that many teachers have multiple jobs. When I taught in Hawaii, I, I taught full time. I worked at the Gap on the weekends, and then I picked up a dance crew coach after school um, that was like an extra position, at least that was on campus. So at one time, I had three jobs just like you, (laughs) teacher, coach, and driver's ed, and I did that for many years. Um, 
and didn't really have much of a life <laughs> like around that. But I was young and living in Hawaii. So I'm like, you know, if I get to the beach, that's awesome. Um, but a lot of teachers have multiple jobs, like whether they're tutoring on the side or working another job on the weekends, when especially when they're younger until maybe, you know, that salary increases as they get older, advanced degrees or whatnot. But that increase does not happen for a while in the beginning. I mean, I was in the same kind of salary bracket for a long time. Yeah, the same for me. And I I think it's probably one of the frustrations that mm -hmm. teachers have in education is it is a very slow climb to get to where you don't have to do those other things. Yeah. And, you know, I had a thought on parallel parking. I mean, nobody, nobody, uh, not to put a downer on this, but nobody goes to the funeral of a, for a teen driver that unfortunately passes away and says, well, you know, it's, it's too bad. Jackie, uh, didn't understand what to do on a, dangerous left-hand turn but let me tell you she was an incredible parallel parker like yeah. she was an amazing parallel parker so don't feel bad about the parallel parking and you're obviously still here yeah and it's yeah. only really useful if you live in a city and I didn't grow up in a city so I right. mean it's like I didn't even need to use it mostly everything at parking lots um but and we'll get to that point too about you know, when we get to education reform about salary, this comes up a lot. I'm going to be really tra transparent. I think I might have been somewhat transparent in some episodes, but I'm just going to put it out there. So for listeners to get the real, real, when we're talking about like just teacher salary in general, and this is good at the time that I was a teacher. So I graduated college in 2004, got my first teaching position as a long-term substitute at an affluent um public school. So I was lucky. My first salary in 2005 was making like 43,000. 43,000 in 2005 as a long-term substitute was good money. And I had full benefits even as a long-term sub because I was there for the whole year for someone on maternity leave. But it was a very wealthy school district because again, taxes go into you know right. funding for schools and salaries. If I was just coming out and say worked in Philadelphia or worked in maybe a rural area, I probably would have started in like maybe 30,000. So take that to Hawaii. I went there a year later. They started me at the same. So I'm like, okay, I didn't really move because I was a long-term sub. So they didn't even count like a year of teaching because normally schools won't count subbing. Even if you're a long-term sub and you are teaching full-time, they don't count it as part of your like step on your schedule. So they started me at 43,000 just to match kind of like where I was. And it's Hawaii, <laughs> totally different income, you know, expense than Pennsylvania. So for me, that was meager. Like I went, I actually went down in salary, made maybe some steps to like around 50,000 at some point. Then the recession hit, we had a 10% cut. So I basically went back down to almost where I started, left Hawaii a couple of years later, went to Pennsylvania, couldn't find a job because now everything was like part-time because they don't want to pay for benefits. And it took me two years to find another job, left the public school system because it was becoming ridiculous to get a job, went to private school, a really nice private school in Delaware, started at $43,000. I had taught already now six years. And right. was working on my master's degree. It took me five years of teaching there, then got my master's degree to get up to maybe like $50,000, literally where I was in Hawaii before the recession. Finally moved to New Jersey and New Jersey has higher taxes than Delaware. So again, going back to taxes, went to another private school where I'm at now and went up about 10 grand. So that was the biggest jump I've ever made. At this point, I've already been teaching 10 plus years. I'm here at going on 18 years and I'm finally at a point where people early on in their careers and in other industries are making like what I'm making now, 18 years in and going through all that. But I went through almost 10 years of stagnant salary. That doesn't make any sense because each state's different. Each school's different. My resume and my experience doesn't even matter. Like it didn't matter when I went back to Pennsylvania when I came back from Hawaii, I was stigmatized for teaching in Hawaii. They're like, 
who's going to hire you? You taught in Hawaii. And I taught in a school that was a title one school restructuring under no child left behind. I actually had people tell me no one's going to hire you. I'm like, I'm from Pennsylvania and went to school in Pennsylvania at Westchester University, which is a prominent teaching school in the tri-state area. And people were like, they're not going to hire you because you're, you're coming from a place where the standards are lower. There have, you know, failing schools, restructuring schools under no child left behind. They're not going to give you a job. And guess what? I experienced that. I really experienced that type of almost discrimination against another state and school system where I taught in like an awesome school with an awesome principal. And we just happened to have a huge population of immigrant kids from the Pacific who couldn't take the standardized test and, and do you know well on it because they couldn't speak the language. So I just wanted to be that transparent. So people listening going, oh yeah, like it's the same like that in a lot of places. And I started off well, like there are people in the South and Midwest, probably out by you still might be starting in the thirties. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm laughing at your initial salary now. I, I mean, I started in 1990, 91, so it is, you know, a different time, but my starting salary was 15, nine. Wow. 15,900. And, and it's uh, the nineties. Yeah. And, you know, one of, one of my frustrations, and I wish this would, I wish this would change in ed education besides a better starting salary, because I think we lose a lot of really good teachers in the first few years. I yeah. think uh, research shows that and backs that up. And it's because they um, supposedly for a profession, they need to, um, I don't know, they need to pay it like it's a real profession. And I used to get this, I used to get this comment, well, you have your summers off. And I kind of laugh because I never had my summers off. I mean, I was, yeah, I was still teaching and working, doing driver's ed, coaching. And sometimes my summer, my June and July were busier than some of my school months. And I was just mm -hmm. doing things to scrape by. But I wish, I wish this would change. And that is that teachers could move from district to district or state to state and not be what I call penalized. Like where I'm at, if you move districts, you have to start on a lower tier. You have to start at a lower salary. They try, they'll say, well, we'll try to give you credit for these years and start you on this step. But we have a lot of teachers that won't move and they get stuck in a district and they just stay there. And what's frustrating about that to me is I would like to see competition. Yeah, me too. Like, and I think if you could move from district to district and be paid at least the same or better, that would force teachers to be better. And it would, I think it would weed out some of the teachers that aren't working hard and aren't trying to get better. Uh, there's another thing that you mentioned too that was frustrating to me. No one in leadership in our district or administrations, no one ever encouraged me to get a master's degree. Mm. No one, and I mean, they would always, there was always some continuing ed, but it wasn't really pushed. And I think it's because, well, they don't want to pay you more. Mm. And I look at, uh, I mean, now I'm living in the world of the private sector and most of my clients are private sector. And these companies are paying their employees to get better. And they're encouraging them to get better and to get more education. And it just seems backwards to me in mm. at least my experience in public education that we weren't really encouraged to do that. Yeah. And because that meant they would be paying more money because your salary would go up if you had a master's degree. And I just always thought that was a little frustrating. Don't we want, don't we want to encourage teachers to get more education and to better yeah. themselves? And, and it should be funded. It should be, you know, I think I love the idea of competition. I mean, that's, 
the the American way. That's part of capitalism. But like, if you're a really good teacher and you are honing your craft and you want to go back to school to get a master's, you want to continue PD, or you want to bring a initiative or program into your school, you should be getting, you know, a higher salary for that. Like the school should say like, I'm going to help you fund your master's or I'm going to help you fund this initiative. And I'm going to bump up your salary because you are bringing more, you're, you're bringing more quality to the school program. You as an individual are bringing something special to the school program. You should be rewarded for that. Just like you would in any other company, it should be looked at it in that way. Um, and it would, it would help teachers continue to hone their craft and get better and better. And there's initiative to do that because they're like, I'm going to be rewarded for that. Like I, not just like a pat on the back, which we don't even really right. get that anymore, but yeah. like I will have a higher salary or I will have a degree funded. Like I paid for my master's because I was looking for a job in between jobs. And I had so many people tell me, you better get a teaching job before you get that master's complete. They're not going to hire you with a master's, but then now it's like almost impossible to get a job if you don't have a master's degree, because now that's competitive, but nobody wants to pay for it. So right. like, I'm still paying student loans from my, my graduate degree. Um, and it, it's, yeah, it's completely upside down. So um, kind of moving into like the next part and we'll, we can get into more of this in the, in the last part, but this kind of maybe segues into what you're doing now. So the pandemic, you were teaching, but now you just had this uh, transition out of the classroom into the work you're doing now as a transformational coach. Did the pandemic, if you want to, you know, um, share any uh, challenges or your experiences as a teacher or what inspired you maybe in this time to then say, I'm ready to do something else? Sure. Yeah. I, I was in a phase where I knew, I knew I wasn't going to teach for 35, 40 years. I, I thought I was when I was young. Like I thought I was going to be a lifer. And I just envisioned myself coaching until I died or got fired. And I envisioned them, you know, me walking into the gym with with a cane and and um full head of gray hair and just like, you know, and just this really, cause those were the coaches that I admired when I was growing up. And I don't know if we'll see many of them anymore. It's, it's a, it's a tough profession nowadays, yeah. but I knew I was going to transition out and I probably five to six years before 2020, I, I actually stopped coaching basketball, which was just my love. And that uh, my wife had gone through a bout with breast cancer and she has survived and she is thriving now, but that really changed my perspective. Yeah. And uh, I was looking at all the time I was spending in coaching, the thing that I loved so much. And I decided to step away and I, I started thinking about things to do. And I, I was dabbling in some things on the side and talking to a lot, lot of people. I think at one time I had 14 things on my list of, of all these different things. One of them was not what I'm doing now. Huh. And yeah. And <clears throat> so when we got to the pandemic, it was just, I'll admit openly, I was just, it was a disaster for me because we had, uh, I ran the driver's ed department and we did not get received good communication from our leadership we there was any and it, there was confusion everywhere so mm -hmm. i i want to give them a little bit of grace there but it was a disaster and and we were dealing with hundreds of parents and students wondering about driving um i did not like being sh shut down i did not like uh init initially with virtual learning i just Maybe this sounds negative, but 40 teens on a screen just, and they're at I their homes. Do that. Yeah. 40 at a time. Like that would yeah. be a class. Wow. It's just, I, I was kind of a mess. And so one of my friends who I'm now a business partner with, we started running. He was training for a marathon and 
he called me up and this was a, this was during the first initial two or three weeks where we're not going to school. Everybody's wondering what's going on. And he said, Hey, let's, I'm, I'm training for this marathon. Do you, do you want to come run with me? And I was like, yes. So, I mean, we got outside, we were by ourselves, we're running on these trails and lo and behold, he started, he was coaching me and I didn't, I didn't really notice at, at first. And he started coaching me. And that actually was kind of the snowball that led to uh, multiple other things happening. And so I look back at the pandemic, even though I wish it didn't happen, I, I look back on what was created for me out of crisis and chaos, that it actually led me on this path to becoming a high performance coach. Mm. And it really is a beautiful path for me. It, it was, it was perfect. And I knew, I knew by the, the January or February of 2021, I knew that the next school year was going to be my last. And so I was actually able to orchestrate and plan prepare, create my transition out of teaching. So I was able to hit the ground running. Wow. That is so inspirational. I have heard this so many times about the pandemic of how awful it is. Right. And especially anyone who, you know, got sick or lost anyone, but there are so many people who've been transformed. Like really on a high, high level, like whether you want to call that on a spiritual level or just like an awakening level. But I think a sense of who am I? What do I want to really do in this world? It doesn't matter what age you are, how long you've been in a career. And I think your background in teaching and coaching obviously lends itself really well to being a transformational coach. And this person in your life that you were running with just became your coach without you even knowing. I think that makes a really great coach too, right? Like they, you don't even know what's going on, but they're, they're motivating you. Um, so you want to talk a little bit about this experience now as this new career opening into being a transformational coach? Sure. It's, and I talk with a lot of my teaching friends about it. It's, it's interesting because I am in a whole new world now. I have my old network of coaches, teachers, and now I'm creating this entirely new world of new relationships with business owners, CEOs, and it's it's an interesting contrast, the private versus me being in the government sector, the public education sector, but you, you mentioned that, okay, my experience lended itself well to be doing what I'm doing now. And it's, it really is. I mean, I do have a, I do have a coaching certification, which I think it's important that people are trying to better themselves and, and learn, which I am doing. I still, I still, I have a coach. In fact, I will not ever have a coach. I mean, I'm going to have a coach the rest of my, my life um, because it's so beneficial and it's 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 funny because most people stop having a coach. It's usually a sports coach or a performance coach, like a voice coach, piano coach type of thing. And then we become adults and it's almost like, oh, well, now I know everything I need to know. <laughs> Which is so and, not true. <laughs> yeah. If I if I knew, like if we could go back to when you started at at 43,000 or whatever, that would have been a dream for me. But um, if, or I go back to when I started, if I knew what I knew now, I would have a coach. Yeah. N not a mentor. Not, I mean, mentors are good. And I had a bunch of mentors, but I would have a coach who really pulled me up as far as performance goes. And so I don't know. I love my life right now because mm -hmm. I work with people that really want to increase their performance level. And I work on, we work on really core value principles 
things like energy, clarity, influence, productivity, and the frameworks I use, I get to customize it to the individual. So all of my, there is no session that I have with one of my clients that is ever the same when you compare it with, with someone else. And so I never dreamed, and this would be, I'm going to speak to any teachers who are looking to transition into something else, whether you're at the end of the career or maybe you're burnout. And I, I'm not advocating that all the teachers just leave the profession right now because we need really, really good teachers. But I, I've talked to a lot of stuck teachers in the last year and they're saying, Steve, how are like, how did you do this? Or why are you doing this? Well, first of all, I'm doing it because I really love it. And I have a skill set that that is really high level that allows me to be good at what I'm doing. But as I look around, Jackie, there are more opportunities than ever before, especially because of the internet. I mean, it's because of the internet that you and I are talking right now and that we even have this relationship and that we even became connected with one another. But there are so many opportunities for teachers because one thing I've learned is teachers have, they have some skill sets and interests that are unique to them. Like there's something that you really love and you're really good at. And if you have, if you have teaching skills, you can translate that into Hmm. a business. And is it easy? No. The, The coaching part for me seems easy. The becoming a business person, an entrepreneur, which is one reason why I'm in this, this group first, first gen entrepreneurs is I'm with, a am surrounding myself with a community of other people who are learning this entrepreneurship thing. And um, there's so much help out there too, for other people. There are so many coaches, there are so many career transitioning coaches and I just, I get a little frustrated when I hear, in fact, I was talking with one last night at a high school basketball game who was saying, I just don't know what I could do. And I just, I just, I was like, I wanted to go into coach mode, but they didn't, they weren't really giving me permission. And I always ask permission, but there are so many opportunities to explore And even let's say you wanted to stay in teaching, there are more side hustle, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. There are more opportunities where you can get paid a lot more than I was getting paid in driver's ed. Um, In fact, this is how great driver's ed was. They froze our salaries. They froze our pay for the driver's ed portion seven years ago, and it has stayed the same. Oh, wow. Meanwhile, I'm paying $47 a dozen for eggs this week or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, But you have, there are so many opportunities on the side for teachers to take what they love, take what they are uh, skilled at, and turn it into some income. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, w- I mean, I would encourage teachers to explore that and Absolutely. to talk to people like you and to talk to people like me and get a little bit of help because I know the world is a scary place. There's a lot of bad things happening. We, we all know that, but teachers can create things that are going to make the world a better place. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be huge. I mean, I'm a one man show. Uh, Most of my clients are local. I do have a few around the country, but in my little world with those people, I am creating something big with them. And if you have a whole bunch, I mean, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but you, you, if we had a whole bunch of teachers and retiring teachers, like instead of just, I mean, how much golf can you play? 
<laughs> I mean, I have friends that are saying, so do you, so you're just playing life, playing a lot of golf. And it's like, actually, I'm not playing any golf. I have, I have too many important things to do and too many people to help. And can you imagine if you had in every town, every city had a group of the retiring teachers that just did something that was fun, that helped other people, that created awesomeness, and they got paid for it. Mm -hmm. You have that energy exchange of people paying. And anyway, I just think there's a, I think there's a massive group of teachers that could really do some incredible things in that time period from when they stop teaching and when they decide to finally retire. I don't think they should, I don't think they should retire from life and from helping people. They have too many skills. Yeah. And I like this whole concept of, I'll start just with one part that you said in the beginning and then kind of jump to the retirement part, but that, um, everyone should have a coach, right? Or like, I wish I had a coach back when I was like a young person. I'd never thought about having a coach. And I recently just worked with a holistic life coach um, from November to still working through this month for the last four months. And I'm going to take those tools that I learned and then incorporate that into my daily life moving forward. Because I, I need it balance. I did not have balance. I was breaking down physically, mental health, all of that. And it wasn't just like, go to a therapist, done that many a times when I really needed it. I'm totally plugging, go to therapy if you need it. You do not need a diagnosis to go to therapy. Many people went during the pandemic. I was one of them. Um, But for me, a holistic life coach at the time was what I needed to continue the work that I'm doing with school and my podcast and education reform, but feeling the burnout from putting too much on my plate, but it was all important to me. And so that coaching helped me to really prioritize my health, prioritize physical, mental, spiritual, all types of health, and still do the work that I'm doing, but have boundaries with everything, boundaries with my school job, boundaries with my podcast. It's not a job, you know, project, podcast, um, boundaries with people, with meetings and all of that. And I still struggle with that and have to work on it. But there could be coaching for so many things. And you should have a coach throughout your life, particularly as an adult, because as an adult, we tend to have so much on our plate, so much of the weight on the world on our shoulders. That's like when you really need a coach. And I like this idea of, you know, saying, hey, if you're a teacher and you're ready for something new or you're at the end of your career, or maybe you just want a side, you know, job that really is going to pay you well, find that specific thing that is your passion, that is your fire or something you're really, really good at and use your teaching tool belt, apply it with that. And you can literally build like a business. Like one thing I've thought about doing is like helping to like coach or mentor new teachers or young professionals and giving them those skills of like things that I'm learning now at 40 that you should be doing at 20. You will be so far ahead of the game. If I'm the things that I'm doing that I've learned from my holistic life coach and the things that I've been like just learning through my own inner work at 40, if I can give that to a 20 year old, I mean, they're going to be like light years ahead. And I want those kind of people in our society because then they can lead when you have those tools to be able to balance in your life and take care of your physical mental health and have boundaries up, then you are much stronger to lead. And we need more leaders in all types of realms. Doesn't mean you're in politics or going to be the president of the United States. Like just being a leader in your community or like wanting to give back and help community. And you can do that in retirement age. I like this idea of like, don't retire from life, right? You should continue to do passion projects or maybe do coaching or a side job that could pay you really well on top of whatever pension or money you're getting from social security, but it helps your cognitive brain and it helps your social health and it helps your physical health to continue to do some kind of work that is important to you and giving back to community because a lot of people cognitively decline, socially decline, physically decline because they, they retire. And then they're like, I'm just on perma vacation with no money to really pay for the vacation I want to have like that. You can't, you can't live like that. Like, I think that mindset needs to change. Like I'm 60, 65 and now I'm done, like done with everything. Like 
Now I'm just gonna sit on my couch or I'm gonna play golf or I'm just gonna go take vacations I can't afford or even if you can't afford. And like your life doesn't stop in your 60s. Like 60s is not old. Like where our lifespan is, you know, getting, yeah. you know, older. So this is a great, I mean, this kind of goes into, you know, my last part too about education reform, just with like teacher advocacy, like really what can we do to help teachers feel empowered? Because a lot of them don't feel empowered. Um, along that theme, are there anything, any other ideas you'd like to share about what you'd like to see shift or change in the education system? focusing either just on schools, the school system or teachers, teacher advocacy or anything else you would like to share? Well, I, I mean, it seems that most everything comes back to money, but it really is true. I remember my first 10 to 15 years, maybe even up to year 20, where money was such a stressor and it seems like like in our state the teachers just got a raise we have a really fiscally responsible state government there's a surplus that's great but it always feels like it's a band-aid or that it's very they're late to the game and we catch up and then um cost of living inflation everything goes up and I know some in the private sector will say, well, hey, you know, you're at least you have a stable, steady income and we have to, you know, we have to go out there and make ours, which but I just, you know, it's a, it is a choice. I mean, it's a choice whether you want to go private sector and do the corporate thing or do the entrepreneur thing. But for teachers, I just there needs to be a better starting salary. I I just think that is so key. And not to belabor the point that I wish there needs to be more competition. Teachers should be able to change districts and not be penalized. You should, uh, for example, I know I strategically entered a school district where I wanted to coach. And when I got in that school district, it was the top. It was the top one in the state, best salaries, best coaching salaries. And it is now not that way. Mm. It is, we are not one of the top. Um, and so I, it's frustrating to me because there were times kind of mid-career where I would have looked to go other places, but I would have been penalized thousands and thousands of dollars just to move districts where you think of moving from a company to another company. Um, the other company might love it that they're going to pay you more because they're getting a higher caliber employee. They're getting somebody with more education. They're getting somebody with skill. And they know they're getting somebody with ambition too. Somebody that is trying to better themselves. And I just... I think if those two things were to happen, higher salaries, starting salaries, and being able to move and not be penalized, like you were talking about, you have your master's degree and you have experience in Hawaii and you feel like, uh, you know, going into interviews that Nobody like, cares. And people telling you they're not, <laughs> hey, guess what? They're not going to hire you with that advanced de degree. So disrespectful. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, I wish I had something more novel than helping young teachers, but this is what I saw with young teachers. And I, this happened to me. I did not have my own classroom. I was, and I was in high school. I was given my first teaching job and I was hired two weeks before the school year started. That was, and that was not their fault. I mean, that was just the way it happened. But I was given five different preps, five different subjects, mm. okay, as a brand new high school teacher. So for people out there that don't know this, if you're going to do a really good job, you need a solid lesson plan and preparation for every subject. Mm -hmm. Like it's not just your skill as a teacher, but you need to know something. And so I was moving from between three different places, rooms, which causes logistic 
issues and a little bit of stress. And I was in teaching in other teachers rooms and I had five different preps. And so I immediately was working 12 hour days as a new teacher, new coach. Oh, by the way, my first as a, an assistant coach, my first salary for the year as an assistant basketball coach was $500. That was awesome. Oh yeah. So then, wow. so, but they had me because it was what I loved. So I, I put up with that and did that and eventually uh, hit at year 22, I, I hit burnout. Wow. I did. 22 years. And, and it was, I mean, health issues, yeah. strain on my, not, not spending as much time with my kids as I wished I would have. Uh, because I was just always, I was definitely on that hamster wheel and they had me because I loved it. That's what I wanted to do. And I watched my father do something he didn't want to do. Mm -hmm. And I was going to do what I wanted to do. And so if we could, if we could provide assistance for the young teachers and not and I know some of the veterans may be mad at me because some we have some veteran teachers I know that say, hey, I've worked 25 years. I've worked so I can only have two preps. And. But are we really going to keep the best teachers? It's kind of like the um, the older brothers and sisters in the fraternity and sorority. Yeah. They're like, hey, they need to get hazed the same way as I got hazed. <laughs> It's like right. hazing your first year of teaching, like literally a lot of new teachers. I was the same way, get thrown like the worst schedule yeah. and usually the worst load. And you're like, and then they have maybe no mentorship. You're like, well, how are you supposed to keep this person in here? And it's almost like taking advantage of them because they're so hungry to be a teacher and they're so passionate about what they do. And they want to do a good job and really like connect with kids that they're like, shoot, I'll do anything. And they then the schools take advantage of that. Like, I really feel like the whole system takes advantage of good, caring, hardworking people instead of like actually like rewarding them for being that way. Like you should flip it and say, you're a new teacher and we want to foster your passion, foster your skill set, build that, you know, gift that you have. So we're going to give you like two preps and we're going to give you a mentor or, you know, a veteran teacher that you're going to meet with because now you're going to have time to do that. And you're going to really craft great lessons and build connections with kids because you're not going to have five different preps or teaching in all these rooms and doing all these duties and all of that. Like give the ones that are just starting out less. And when you get to a veteran teacher, you could still have more off your plate as you get older. You know, I mean, no teacher should have five preps. I, I believe you should right. even have more than two or three preps because when we talk about preps, we're talking about subject matter. And there was yeah. one point where I had four preps and six classes, same thing, taught in three different classrooms, three stories of an old building. So that's stairs that I had to get to between classes, barely had any breaks because I was teaching six classes a day out of maybe like an eight period, seven period cycle. Um, <clears throat> it was insane. And that's where I got paid very little. You know, now I'm getting paid decently right. and I have four classes two preps. I I have the lightest schedule I've ever had this year. I don't know how, if it's going to stay that way, but I've also been in the game for 18 years. My first year, I'm 22, 23 years old. And they're like, we're going to give you CP level, which is college prep, which is usually means you just have to take the class government seniors. And then I had like two other subjects at two other levels but it was the senior class and I'm like 22 that I'm like, are, you're literally throwing me to the sharks right now. <laughs> and I'm like, right. this is crazy. And it was bad. Like that first semester was not fun. <laughs> that, I mean, it is, I, this brings back memories because I was teaching us history, world history, American government, psychology and sociology. Wow. Like the whole social studies department, yeah. basically. And then, and then coaching. And I think, I think the only thing that saved me was just that I was in my dream career. 
I had a very, very supportive wife. And I just lived off of creating rapport with the kids. Mm -hmm. And I was honest with them. I mean, I was I was more suited to teach the history and government classes. Psychology was part of my composite degree, but I was never planning on teaching it. I actually got the degree because I was I was counseled that it might help me to get a job. And it was actually the psychology piece that got me that job. So it was a okay. it was it yeah. was a good move. But it's a hard, um, it's a lot of different courses. I wasn't, I wasn't prepared. I didn't feel prepared. And plus I'm a new teacher, right? Right. So I've only been through student teaching and and uh hadn't had my own classroom. And you want to do a great job. And you're I was I was too much of a people pleaser for sure. I'm, I'm oh, not a lot that, of teachers are. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not that way anymore. I, I, was. I definitely have boundaries and, yeah. and better, you know, can forge better relationships with, with people, but yeah, that's not the way that's, that's not the way to help young teachers. If I was not so clear on my career path and knew that this is what I was going to do, no matter what, that would that would drive me out. I don't know if you see this, Jackie, but I often see female teachers leave sooner, mm. uh, especially if especially if they're married. So they're in a dual and income situation, and if their if their husband is making good money, mm -hmm. they are less willing to put up with some of that stuff. Yeah. If because they're in a better financial situation. And so they'll say, hey, I'm out. And I've noticed that male teachers like me, I hung I hung in there and we didn't. Uh, you were mentioning vacations. I just got to say this. I mean, my wife and I are taking we're going on a on a 10 day cruise next week. Nice. <laughs> and you were talking about you're like thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. We've never really we've really never done anything um that big that long um uh, that expensive because i was making $500 as a coach we were i was trying to figure out a way to um hey does anybody have a used washer you yeah. know that yeah. you know stuff like that that i wish we could pay teachers more at the beginning so we could take some of that stress off of them and they could, cause I think, I mean, when did you become, when did you become a really good teacher? Cause I've taught for 32 years and I still think if I was still teaching that I would still be getting better and need to get better. Yeah. And I look back and it's like, oh man, year two, year four, year seven, year 12, year 21. Yeah. It's like, I I still am learning things. You too, Just, all the time. Yeah. And so we're driving teachers out before they have a chance to, to get catch really their good. stride yeah. and start getting yeah. really good. And then we offer, like in my district, they they don't they don't push getting a master's degree, but they do push early retirement incentives. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, they're like, get those stale teachers out. <laughs> yeah. So, right. So, while we're becoming our best and we have our, you know, our skill set is at the, the highest point. Um, hey, can you move on out? Because now you're costing us too, yeah, now you're costing us too much. True. And it's like, who suffers in that situation? To me, the kids, the kids suffer. In yeah, that situation. absolutely. No, I think, you know, just to kind of wrap up some of your ideas, you know, start with a higher salary, give less subjects or preps for the new teachers, give them mentorship, foster them, have them want to grow and blossom into being, you know, this really great teacher, because ultimately that benefits everyone. It benefits the school, the kids, the community, the parents, everyone. And once they get to a certain point, you know, give them, you know, opportunity for like leadership or 
doing other projects within the school. Like not everyone wants to climb the ladder to administration, but there could be other ways that you can grow and still be in the classroom, but doing other things in the school community where you feel like you're leading initiatives. I think there needs to be more opportunities for that and not just this, well, the only way to grow out of the classroom or to do anything else is become a principal or you know right. a director or whatnot. Not everybody wants that. I don't want to be an administrator. Like, I don't either. <laughs> everybody has a different passion in education. So, but there could be other opportunities and yeah, the whole financial system of how we fund schools needs to totally be restructured. It doesn't work. Like the tax system doesn't work the way we do these salary schedules and there's not a lot of incentives. It just, it needs to be totally like reworked. Um, and I think there needs to be more money coming from the federal government and there needs to be more um, you know, money thrown at really great teachers and have competition and and give that initiative. So I agree 100%. So it has to start as the baseline before we can really start to like improve so many other aspects about school. But it, it starts with protecting the teachers. You don't protect them. You don't have a school system. You don't have a healthy school system. You've got to protect those people who really care. Like, look, you stayed in it for so long and it's because you loved it. And when you say, I did it. I put up with stuff because I loved it. And I saw that my dad didn't love his job. So but we shouldn't have to put up with stuff. Nobody should have to put up with stuff right. because they love something. They should be given more rewards and initiatives because they have this passion and drive and want to give back so much to the community and the system. Absolutely. So I really appreciate this conversation, Steve. Uh, where can our listeners find you if you want to give out any of your contact information or websites yeah. or anything like that? And I'll plug it in the show notes. Probably the best place to find me right now is on LinkedIn. That is, uh, that's where I'm most active in the online world. And uh, just a little plug, it's not, it's not up yet, but my side project, aside from my uh, individual and group coaching and transform now is I'm I'm working on a passion project with my friend who is also a teacher and our company is called create transform become mm -hmm. and we are creating tools coaching help for parents of high school athletes and performers and it's just it's it's something that we see that is really needed. Uh, the kids get coached, and yet the the toughest job there is in the world is being a parent. Mm -hmm. And we are we're taking our combined fifty five years of experience and creating something awesome to help parents to improve their relationships with their kids, specifically dealing with them as high school athletes and performers so i mean i'll give you the name again create transform become if you go try to find it it's it's uh we're we're a work in progress okay. but um we're excited about that but yeah, yeah linkedin is the place to find me i love to meet fun interesting and driven people I love it. This is great. I will plug all that information in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the teacher story. I really appreciate you sharing all about your background and your transformation and the work you're doing now. And I think that there's a lot of great tips that uh, came out of this conversation for, for teachers, whether they're in it, transitioning out at the end of their career. So I appreciate your, your time and being with us today. Well, thank you, Jackie. And you are you are a living example of one of those things that you can do as a teacher to help kids and help other teachers. And so I hope this, I hope your podcast and what you're doing, I hope it spreads far and wide and really encourages and uh, helps promote teachers. Thank you so much. And I really enjoyed this and uh, we will be in communication. We're both on sure. LinkedIn and I'm sure down the road, we'll have lots of more great conversations. So thank you so much, Steve, and have a great day. You too. Thanks. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to The Teacher's Story. If you like this story, please subscribe and leave a review. You can also follow this podcast on YouTube and subscribe and leave a comment. All reviews help this podcast keep going and elevating teacher voices. 